Well, while that's happening, welcome to our Vision Builders service. Who knows that Vision Builders is made of two words, vision and builders. And therefore, there are two parts to Vision Builders. There's the vision and there's the building of the vision. And so I'm going to talk about both of those things this morning, except I'm going to reverse them. I'm, I'm going to talk about the building of the vision first, because the building is the nuts and bolts, the, the, the nitty-gritty, what's happening, what we're doing. Who, who likes nuts and bolts stuff? Who's a nuts and bolts person? Never mind the airy-fairy stuff. Let's just go with nuts and bolts. So, okay, we'll pray for you guys afterwards. Um, but no, it is important. So I'm going to start with what, what are we hoping to do with Vision Builders in 2017, 2018? What are we actually doing with Vision Builders? And if you've read the brochure, you'll see that there are five different areas that we're focused on. But let me lay out the priority of what we are actually doing and how this will work depending on how you buy in to our future how much you are invested in our future depends how far our vision can go. Now, if you see up there, the first thing is building expansion. Now, that's where we've expanded across the road. We have a lease over there, which we have determined through our church board that we are going to pay half of that lease in the coming financial year through our general giving. It goes into our general accounts, and we are praying that our general income is going to be enough to cover half of that lease. The other half is going to be covered by our giving to vision builders. Let me tell you, if that's as far as it goes, that's where our vision stops. That's a non-negotiable. We have to pay that lease. And so that's where the money goes first off. And if we don't get enough money in to do more than cover that lease, then our vision for the next year is pay the lease. Exciting. It's not bad, but it's not. It's not. Yay, let's move forward. So we are believing that what is going to happen is we are going to get enough money coming in so that not only are we going to be able to service that lease, but we are actually going to be able to put money into a deposit for a future building and money towards the start of a second location. Would that be exciting? Yes. You sure? Some, some of you don't seem too sure about this. You're sitting there thinking... Get on with the vision bit. In a minute. In a minute. All right. So part of that is also, you notice there's a line there that says beyond. Beyond is our missions giving. And I would be really excited if our contributions to vision builders were so great that we could look at that and say, we can afford to actually put money into our missions. Now, the reason that it's under that line is our Beyond program has facilitates giving during the year for our Fiji build and for the women's shelter that we support. And so there will, there will be beyond offerings for us to give to those. And we give things like for the women's shelter, especially Mother's Day, we put together packs, we put together packs for Christmas and Easter. And so there, there are other ways that we give to beyond, but I would just love to be able to say, look, we can give more than we've given before. We can support more people than we've supported before. We can do more in that situation. But because we actually already have something in place and we already put 10% of our income into our Beyond Fund, that's not as high a priority, but it doesn't mean they're less important. But that's actually what's going to happen with the money that we pledge 
today. So that's the, that's the nuts and bolts. And so who thinks that? That's pretty simple. There's, not, there's no rocket science really involved in that, is there? The real crux of the matter is why on earth should you give money to vision builders? Why would you support that? What, if, what would inspire you and encourage you to give something into building this church? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you a story. Who likes stories? Because when we give to vision builders, we're actually not giving to a bank account. We're not even giving to a monetary plan. We are giving into God's kingdom because of how we see God. And I want to read you this story from the Gospel of Matthew. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. I'm going to read from verse 22 to verse 36. Now, it says, immediately after this, if you're curious about what this is, Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. It says, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and to cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, this sounds like life of the disciples. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. <laughs> Far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they'd crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. Gennesaret. Tricky words. When the people recognised Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe and all who touched him were healed. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you that your word is a powerful tool to inspire us, to encourage us, and to give us revelation into who you are and what your relationship with us should be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Good. You don't have to say amen, I'm just checking that you're awake. This scripture is actually an amazing turning point for the disciples. They actually, in the middle of all of this, begin to understand who Jesus really is and they understand him from a completely different perspective from the rest of the world. Because what actually happens, it says here, when Peter and Jesus get back into the boat, 
the disciples exclaim, you really are the Son of God. A few hours later, in Gennesaret, the rest of the people are flocking around him, saying, Jesus, you are Superman. As though they'd just discovered Clark Kent's secret identity. Now, how do you... You're asking, how do I know that's what they were saying? It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that they referred to Superman at all. But there's actually a difference in how they viewed Jesus as opposed to how the disciples now viewed Jesus. And so what is, what is that difference? And it's because it's, it's actually very easy, both for us as Christians and for the rest of the world, to think of Jesus as someone like Superman. He walks or walked among us and he looked like us, but he had a secret, a secret identity. He walked among us until he discovered that we had a problem that we couldn't solve. And then Jesus snuck into a temple, tore off his, his robes and came out as super Jesus and performed miracles for people who couldn't perform miracles for, their, for themselves. He healed people who couldn't heal themselves. He ra raised people from the dead where other people couldn't raise them from the dead. And so people think of him a bit like Superman because they brought all their unsolvable problems to Jesus because of his reputation as a problem solver. The big problem with this is that they didn't aspire to be like Jesus. You notice in the movies, the pe people of Metropolis don't aspire to be Superman. They'd, they'd love to be Superman. But who knows that nobody else in Metropolis, not Lois Lane, not Jimmy Olsen, nobody actually is another Superman. Who hide there and say, yeah, I know Superman, I'm just like him. Little S on their chest. None of them. They cannot be Superman. So, if the crowd thinks of Jesus as superhuman, how do the disciples see him after that incident on the lake where he was walking on the water? The interesting thing, and the thing that's important to us today, is that they see him as fully human and fully divine. But it's the fully human part which is the important revelation here. Let's, let's just back up a few steps to Jesus' birth. Jesus was born as a human baby. God the Father sent him here on earth as a baby. He didn't send Jesus to pretend to be human. He's not from Krypton, <laughs> sitting there in a farm out in the middle of Kansas somewhere, pretending to be human and trying to fit in. Because secretly, he's Superman. God the Father sent Jesus to earth to be human. He was a fully human baby. He was a fully human, developed human being. He was just like you and me in his humanness. The other thing about Jesus was that he was fully divine. He was part of the Godhead. He was part of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So he had an intimate connection with the divine. So God the Father sent his divine son to be fully human on the earth. And it's interesting, Jesus did things that only a person who was intimate with the divine could do. But more important, nothing Jesus did is impossible for a human being. Nothing Jesus did 
is impossible for us to do. That's a horrifying revelation. It's a game changer. You see, if Jesus is superhuman, then we can worship him and we can ask him for help, but we can never be like him. But if Jesus was fully human, then not only can we worship him, we can be like Jesus. And if we can be like Jesus, what does that open up? See, let, let's, let's, let's look at this from Jesus' perspective. He's just fed 5,000 people. And the 5,000 people think, super Jesus! Five fish, three, two loaves, whatever it was, he's fed us. And yet, Jesus goes into the mountains and he wants to have a chat with his dad. So he prays. And he, the chat he has with the father lasts so long that it ends up being three o'clock in the morning. He's wandering around talking to the father and suddenly the father says, <coughs> Jesus, I've just noticed y your friends are out there on the lake, they're in trouble. Uh, I really think you should go and check them out. Just walk over there and just give them a hand. Now Jesus didn't suddenly go, whoa, whoa, hang on. What, are you saying I can walk on water and that I should go and... That, surely that's not possible, Dad. But he did, his connection with the father was such that Hey, great idea. Let's go and help these guys out. I, I hadn't noticed. And he steps and he walks on the water. And he walks towards the disciples. Now, the interesting thing is that if he was fully human, I would have thought that's a reasonable question to ask. It's one you and I would ask. It like, what? You, <laughs> can't I have a boat? <laughs> a raft? You know, perhaps even a paddleboard? That, that's just, but Jesus was so intimate with his father, that, that thought didn't cross the human part of his mind. He was so connected, he thought, right, I'm going out there. And so, how, why did the disciples think he was a ghost? See, the supernatural wasn't as strange to the disciples as it is to us today. And so, you think of it, if Jesus had walked out under the water like we think he walked out under the water... They'd have said, hey, it's God or Superman or something. Because I don't know about you, but my impression is that Jesus walked out into the water in this bubble of calm around him. And he's walking out there and his hair looks as though he's just come from the hairdresser. His robes are nice and clean and he's just strolling around and the waves are around him and he's just unaffected. But Jesus is fully human. The moment he stepped out onto that water, guess what? He got wet. The wind was blowing. The, the disciples are in the boat, windswept. They're soaked from head to toe. There's, the wind is blowing the waves over the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. They think he's a ghost because he looks like a drowned rat. <laughs> he's not drifting in a bubble of calm. He's walking on the water. I mean, if Jesus was walking through the bush, do you think that the, the trees would just get out of his way? No, he'd, he'd be sort of the same as us, hoping that the person in front didn't leave a branch and go, Frick! As you're walking past, he's walking on the water because he believes he's intimate with God and he knows he can. But he's fully human, so he's getting wet. His, his hair is just, his, his robes are soaked. He's, he's trudging through the water. It's like, gosh, I should have worn a lighter robe. If I knew I was going to do this, I'd have worn my good undies. And so they think he's a ghost because he, he looks terrible. He's walking towards them and they have, and it, it's, a, it's a ghost. And they have to say, oh, hang on, guys, no, look. It's me. See? It's me. And do you know that the reason that we know that the disciples, or Peter in particular, 
doesn't think he's Superman. But Peter, Simon Peter, both of them, get a revelation at that very moment that Jesus is fully human. How do I know this? Because Peter didn't yell out, Jesus, Superman, man from Krypton, come and rescue us. He said, Jesus, if it's really you, ask me to come and walk on the water towards you. Because if it's really you, you're the son of God and you're fully human, I can do this. And so Peter gets out of the boat and walks towards him. Peter's big mistake was he looked around. He thought, oh, crap. It is rough out here. And he started to sink. Now you might think, well, you know, if Jesus is over there and you're walking towards him. But notice it says Jesus reached up and grabbed him. He was, he was standing from here to there. And yet his circumstances so... And to be fair, I mean, who can blame him? And Jesus says, why did you doubt me? Where's your faith? But notice he didn't actually say anything to the guys in the boat who didn't get out of it. But they knew. Peter and Jesus got back into the boat and the waves calmed and the wind stopped. The other disciples had got the same revelation as Peter because they turned around, worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God. They didn't say you really are from Krypton. They didn't, they didn't say that you really have a neat cape. They said, you are the Son of God, because they had a revelation that the Messiah that they worshipped was fully human, and that they were going to be able to do the things that Jesus was able to do. That is an incredible revelation. That's what changed the disciples' life. Because if you look at the people in Genesaret, what they're doing is, you see, that, that hurt his reputation. Matthew uh, 9.19, I think it is, or 6.19. Um, it's here somewhere. No, it's not. I made it up. No, the really, the really, Matthew 9.19. You see... They'd heard about what happened there because there was a woman who had constant hemorrhaging who got her way through the crowd and had touched the hem of Jesus' robe and been healed. These guys had heard of that story. They brought their sick and they encouraged them to touch the edge of Jesus' robe because they'd heard that there were miraculous healing powers if you could do that. They saw Jesus as the solver of their problems, as a superhuman person that did things that they couldn't do. And so they might worship God, but they could never fellowship with God because they didn't understand that Jesus was as human as they were. You see, we have the opportunity this morning to be like Peter. In the next 12 months, we have the opportunity to do one of two things. <coughs> We can sit in the boat and wait for Superman to rescue us, because that's our vision of Jesus. Or we can act on the premise that nothing Jesus did was impossible for a human to do. That we can actually step out of the boat. We can step out in faith and change our future. We can be like Peter. We can not just preach Jesus, but be Jesus to our community. We can use our faith 
to build the kingdom of God. As fully human believers, we can increase our intimacy with the divine God by believing what he says about us. Because God says our capabilities are far greater than we give them credit for. If we step out in faith, if we believe that our faith in God empowers and enables us to do miracles. Being a part of vision builders is actually saying to God, I am prepared to step out of the boat. I am prepared to put my faith out there to grow the kingdom. It says, I am prepared to give sacrificially to see your church, because it is Jesus' church, grow. Not because I see the plan and I like, I like the idea of where the money's going to or I don't like the idea of where the money, whatever it is. That's not the issue. The issue is, I believe, that we need to get a revelation that our intimacy with God should result in an understanding that our closeness with the divine enables us to be as human as Jesus and do the things he did in our society, to be Jesus for people, to actually put some, something in place where people can come and meet a Jesus Christ who's not just going to rescue them, but is going to empower them. How are people going to believe that they can be empowered unless we show them that we're empowered? That we actually believe what Jesus taught us? That we actually believe what Jesus has planned for us? That we are masters of our destiny because our connection with the divine enables us as human beings to do divine things. So I want you to think about that. We're giving to a campaign which in essence I believe is to spread faith, to spread the knowledge that Jesus came, lived a fully human life, died on a cross, rose again from the dead, not so that we could just worship him, but so that we could take the real Jesus out into the world ourselves. That even though we recognize that we're fully human, that when we draw closer to God, our humanness no longer is a barrier to the miracles that we can perform, to the faith that we can actually act in. And that's what Vision Builders is about. It's about... Stepping out in faith, it's about looking at what you have and say, well, I'm prepared to put some of that into the vision that God has for his church. I am prepared to step out of the boat and say, yep, count me in. I'm a person of faith. I'm going to step out. I'm going to believe that not only is God going to do miracles in my life, but my life is going to be a miracle to somebody else.